0: The Woj Pod is presented by Clover Plus Merchant One, better business solutions. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of The Woj Pod here at LA Live in Los Angeles. Lakers Nuggets, Game 3 tomorrow night. Uh, here with Dave McMiniman, ESPN's great NBA writer and of course covers the Lakers. Dave is fresh off a flight from Denver, kind enough to swing down the studio and talk some Lakers Nuggets to start. Dave, how are you, man?
1: I'm uh very curious to see where this goes from here i think this lakers team has shown resiliency around every corner pretty much since late january but you are playing the number one team in the west and
0: you don't take care of business on saturday night it's all over what michael malone said was exactly right the other night it is what you're supposed to say it's what you want your team to hear and he has sold it all year long nobody pays attention to us We're the nuggets. We don't get respect. And he's right. Nobody does. Nobody's paid attention in a lot of ways. But we are going to talk about the Lakers here. To be fair to Michael Malone, we would do it regardless of who they were down one oh two or two down two oh two in the conference finals. The thing, Dave, is all year long was could the Lakers give themselves an opportunity with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Could they put enough of a sporting a supporting cast around them to give these two greats a chance to advance? And to get in the playoffs, they did that at the trade deadline. We're at this inflection point in the conference finals where Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray have outplayed LeBron James and Anthony Davis. There's always more factors. It's always more. It's never one thing, but that's the big thing right now. And that's as they come back to L.A., that's what's at stake for this L.A. team right now is are there because the role players have played well enough.
1: Rui Hachimura has been very good this series so far. Austin Reeves has done his part. Anthony Davis had a tremendous game one. Basically, falls off a cliff offensively in game two and defensively, the numbers against Jokic have looked better in this series when it's Rui Hachimura guarding him or when it's LeBron guarding Jokic. So if you obviously LeBron's three-pointers jump off the page the way he misses three in a row to start off the fourth quarter, he hasn't been able to hit them late game these playoffs. And If you're watching the game at home, you see the impact of that stalling offense, and you rightfully might talk about it. At the same time, LeBron's 38 years old. He's been guarding a two-time MVP a lot of Game 2. His legs are going to be tired. You had to make that compromise because Anthony Davis hasn't had the one-on-one impact against Joker that the Lakers would like, I would think, through these first two games. And so... Not not that this should be like a blame pie conversation because the Lakers are heading home where they're seven or no this postseason, including the third mm-hmm. round. So this series is still very much alive. But when you start to analyze what's happening, Anthony Davis was in the conversation with the best player in the league a couple of years ago right now. Right now he's not really close to being the best player in the series.
0: Yeah, and that's I'll be shocked if the Lakers don't come out and play really well in game three. And then you sometimes there's a rhythm to these series, especially when you have a couple, two very winnable games for the Lakers in one and two. Come back late uh, after getting down big early, come back late in game one, and then have a lead in game two. You kind of know the pattern of these. Sometimes game three can be a blowout. You win fairly handily. You come home and you race past them. And then game four is a war. It feels to me like they'll win game three. They'll come out, maybe do it fairly handily. Although... This Denver team is great. This is a great team, from beginning of the season to the end. The most consi- like Boston has certainly not been as dominant in this postseason as this Denver team has been. And this is just a group that's been together. Coach, star players, they have been together. They feel ready to break through. But hey, listen, it's a tall order to win four out of five games against a team. That just doesn't throw many clunkers out there.
1: Yeah, and certainly if the Lakers start thinking of it like that, winning four out of five, it will be insurmountable. you got to win game three. You hope you get another role player to play a little bit better. D'Angelo Russell hasn't had a strong series so far, and we know that he can have big games. He's proven it.
0: And he's been great at home in these playoffs, right?
1: He closed out the Memphis Grizzlies, shut them down in game six, and then was really big in game six against the Golden State Warriors as well. Like two closeout opportunities at home, he's been big. And that's why, you know, Darvin Ham and his coaching staff has been reticent to reduce his role because they want to imbue confidence to him because they know what he's capable of. The tough part about this particular matchup is it's a massive starting lineup for the Denver Nuggets. And defensively, it's never been D'Angelo's strength, obviously. And if you're going to go big to try to match it, is D'Angelo someone that you take some minutes away to give to Jared Vanderbilt, to give to Rui Hachimura? And obviously you're sacrificing his offense to do so, but if you give up 72 points like you did in the first half of game mm-hmm. one against Denver, you're not going to have a chance this series.
0: What's it been like to watch Jokic up close this season, covering the West in the playoffs? It just feels like you're watching, I think, a player who's going to be remembered as a historic player in this league at his absolute zenith.
1: I was speaking to uh, uh, someone who works in Denver Media on the baseline Game 2, and he said he likes to describe him like water. He just kind of flows wherever the defense allows him to go, occupies that space, and then the beauty of his skill set is he can – Pretty much do anything from any point on the court. So, so pass, dribble, shoot, and also do it with unconventional angles where, as a defender, you're not used to it. Like, you, you, you don't, there's no way to certain to prepare for the step back three he makes at the end of the third quarter in game one. You know, I did mention Anthony Davis' defense has been amazing this series. On that play, it was pretty damn good, but you can't do anything with it. And you and I have covered this league long enough. We've seen all sorts of personalities of stars in this league. His personality is refreshing in the sense of it seems to me all he cares about in his basketball existence as a pro-basketball player is to win with his guys.
0: Listen, it takes all kinds of people to make the league go. And you can have you can't have a league of jokers, right? You're gonna have to you're going to have to have some bigger-than-life personalities. That's what drives it, and you need a blend. But he is uniquely uh, – he is a unique persona, and guys love playing with him. They love playing with him. Look what he has done. You talk about a guy who just elevates everyone around him. I think he's made guys a lot of money. Certainly, Michael Malone knows what he has in Joker. we I did a podcast with Michael at the All-Star break. And we were just talking about is what he has meant to Michael Malone's career. He was, you know, he had gotten fired in the sack and he didn't know that he was ever going to get another head coaching job. And he'd maybe have to go back on somebody's bench as an assistant. And he didn't have a very long run there. And getting the Denver job and then having an organization that allowed him to gradually build. And once they got Joker and realized what they had in him and sort of just started to play through him um, and and what's come of that. But he's been. Remarkable, and uh, this is such a formidable Denver team. Tim Connolly built the team with Tours Konishivis, and then Calvin Booth, their general manager, made some great moves in the offseason. Contavius Caldwell-Pope, who Laker fans know, has been a tremendous addition for them. I mean, this has been, and, and Christian Brown, drafting him, it's not, it's fairly rare that on a championship team, a one seed, that a young player like that can find his way into the rotation Who he drafted in the 20s. And then you identify Bruce Brown and and Bruce Who Brown in the in the playoffs. I mean, Bruce Brown. Those three moves right there with a great core. It, it reminds me a little bit of like John Horst in Milwaukee. Yes, Giannis was there, but you built. You know, when you it, it's not always easy finding the right guys to build around. And you see a lot of organizations waste years trying to figure out the right combination. They've got the right combination to win it all in Denver. Yeah,
1: they, they really do. And you know, give credit. We're talking about Calvin Booth, another former Laker tie. Mike Pemberthy is on the scouting department there. He's a longtime friend of Calvin's and, and someone that I know that balances ideas. Uh, you know, they they work through roster decisions. and it, It's a team with a purpose, an identity, timing on their side. I think the best starting five in basketball yeah, uh, in terms of fit and talent and a strong bench and a real home court advantage, so there's nothing really is lacking there. I think the reason why we do talk about the Lakers so often, uh, certainly it's my job with ESPN <laughs> to do it, but this has been a Lakers team that has been on fire since
0: All break February. or since the trade deadline. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah.
1: They've been in some spots even since then where you you start to worry. Okay, you know they lose Game Two to Golden State by 30 points. They bounce right back. <laughs> lift themselves up off the
0: mat. And I think what's really remarkable about what the Lakers did, and it's not easy to do it at the trade deadline. Usually at the trade deadline, if you could improve yourself in one area, we need size or we need shooting or we need a wing defender. That's usually you can get one thing. And the Lakers did a multiple things and they did it without fully compromising Their future. And sometimes you do some things at the trade deadline, and it's a very short-term fix. And you don't have staying power with the moves you made because guy's on an expiring. He's going to be a free agent. Cap doesn't allow you to re-sign him. The Rui Hachimura, you look back at it now. I mean, this is a really young player. This is a player from the 2019 draft. What year are we? 23? 23. 2019 draft yeah and ninth pick in the draft palenka had scouted him pretty heavily as a west coast college player he was at gonzaga he had scouted him at lmu and and then when you see a player who's not having a great early run in the nba and then kyle kuzma comes in and he's taking a lot of those minutes and there's a struggle and then you know the player and the agent may be ready to move on and then it's like, what? Do you, how much are you giving up for Now, looking back, if you knew if you knew that Rui Hachimura was going to play this way, if other teams knew, there would have been a real first-round pick offered for him. Palenka, the Lakers, get Hachimura for three seconds. And I think people sometimes hear second-round picks, and they think no value. Second-round picks have a lot of value. They really do. Because there's very little difference between having the 27th or 28th pick and then a pick in the mid thirties or 40 because also financially it gives you some flexibility there, but they still weren't first. And I think the deal people forget about a little bit is he gave up the three seconds and Kendrick Nunn, who was really just filler in the trade. Fire contract as well. Yeah. He missed all of his first season with the Lakers. They weren't going to resign him. But the Lakers got the picks back in the Thomas Bryant trade with the Nuggets. And I see what the Nuggets were doing. They got some depth at center. They got a, a somebody on a, they're trying to win a championship. They were protecting themselves at that position. But Bryant wasn't going to play much much more for the Lakers. They weren't going to be able to re-sign him. And to get that back, so you sort of, even then, Hachimura's awash in getting the picks back. And he's just been a revelation, right? Second-leading bench scorer in the playoffs, shooting, what was he, shooting like 98% on threes now? It looks like it, right? In the, in the postseason. And you look at he, and then, of course, all the moves at the trade deadline, Dave, they allowed Austin Reeves, with Russell Westbrook going, it allowed Austin Reeves to take on a more prominent role, which obviously he was ready for. And so now you look back, if we redrafted the 2021 draft, Austin Reeves, who didn't get drafted, would not get past six or seven in that draft.
1: What, what a statement, right? Right. And that's why no matter what happens from here on out through the rest of the Lakers postseason run, they've identified these two players in particular. You have to imagine Rui Hachimura, Austin Reed will be part of their future
0: going forward. Both restricted free agents. I don't see any scenario where the Lakers would not match on both. They have to. They have waited. They spent so much time because these are win-now players for, they have proved themselves to be win-now players with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on their timeline. But these are both starting level players, I think, who, you know, Hachimura, you want to see him do it. You want to see both players do it over, but you know what? when you see it. And these guys are showing that, you know, on a very big stage and highly pressurized environment, these guys are playing and, and they've been doing it over the course of the season. They're just two fines um, for a team at the beginning of the season. Listen, you knew Reeves was going to be good, like, and then he's taken a jump, but just those two, and then you get to the trade deadline deal, bringing back D'Angelo Russell, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Um, Malik Beasley has not played as much, but those guys. And now, and Bamba has been hurt. That was the, but this is a team now with, that's fortified itself. They're, again, they will match on those two. They just cannot let them leave. D'Angelo Russell is a little different. Threading that's going to be interesting. I know they've talked preliminary on an extension, I think they'll really deal with it after the season, and it kind of shows you as the way this Laker roster will be built. It's really hard to bring in the third big player anymore with the new collective bargaining agreement. You're much be- in a much better place breaking it up with some very good players instead of. And they learned that with the Westbrook trade, having that third, and with a new CBA, and how punitive it is to be in that upper spending area. You can't do anything with your roster at that point. Lakers are in pretty good shape. They're in pretty good shape going into the summer.
1: Yeah, and another guy we should mention, uh, Lottie Walker. Uh, yeah,
0: and, and you give Darvin Ham credit that when you can keep guys like that engaged and when their opportunity comes and they deliver, Darvin Ham has done an incredible job with this team at 2-10 and 10, and feeling like this thing was going to just unravel, like just fought and fought with the group he had, kept them the injuries, kept them just... You know, again, in that play – and that's the great thing about the play in it. Like, You're never really out of it unless you're really trying to be out of it. And Darvin's ability as a first-year coach just – he's done a remarkable job with his team.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes – and Darvin knows this league as well as anyone. I, I think anyone that has played kind of in the capacity – I covered Lou for years in Cleveland. I think he has a similar – kind of view of the game because he was not the best player, but he's played with some of the best ever to come through this league. And and he knows what makes that person tick, what it's like to be who he was in the league. And so he can relate to the entire roster. And he's done a good job of the reason why Rob Plinka likes Rui and Austin a lot as culture pieces is they're competitive guys who bring it on a nightly basis. And that's certainly Darwin's persona. And can he learn more about what it's like to manage rotations and minutes and expand his playbook? Of course he can. He's a first-year head coach. But what he already has, he does have that competitive edge to himself. And that can make up for a lot over the course of a long season.
0: Yeah, and I think commanding a locker room and commanding the respect of players and navigating all the things with a team you have to navigate as a head coach – more and more power is being taken away from head coaches in the league. They're taken away. It's taken away by the owner, by the president, GM, by the star player, by the agent of the star player. Like I just named like six different people who in some organizations have more power than a head coach, not just the agent, not just the star player, but his agent and the GM and the owner and the owner's friend who hangs around. Like it's, it's harder than ever to be a head coach. It really is in this league. And I know people so, and I get it, but they're always talking about rotation and this guy's rotation and that guy's rotation. And that is not even close to being the biggest part of the job. The biggest part of the job is what they don't see. And to hold on to a locker room, to coach great players hard, who the minute they don't like what you're saying, can go to the owner, can go to the GM. And will they have your backs? And so I'm not talking about Darvin with that in LA. I'm talking about just in general in the league. And it's harder than ever. And the things that Darvin's great at, you know, it's funny when Darvin was an assistant coach, and I would say this a lot when he was interviewing for jobs, because I think it was important. There was another team that interviewed him and they interviewed a bunch of assistant coaches. And uh, he did interviewed for a lot of jobs through the years. And he wondered whether he'd get a break and get a job. Uh, one team president who, people would know is is really one of the better ones in the league and just said Darvin was the best at the board, right? When you got up at the board and you're X and O and uh, Darvin was the best of their group. And Mike Budenholzer's assistants tend to do really well. You look through obviously Taylor Jenkins in Memphis, Kenny Atkinson, Quinn Snyder, now Darvin Ham and, you know, Charles Lee's been interviewing for jobs. He's the next one in that group. But it's a pretty good tree to be pruning from. And for the Lakers, he fit exactly the profile. I give them, he he was exactly who they needed at the right time and pretty remarkable from two and 10. And I think it gives
1: a Laker fan base a reason to look at the next several years as a growth period as much as we know that the natural life cycle of a player entering to year 21 and year 22 in LeBron James, there will be atrophy. That's just what it is. But you can still feel like this team can grow through that period, which that's a really hard needle to the thread. And, and currently, I, I think there's a vision shared between LeBron, Darwin, Rob Palenka, Jeannie Bus, to make it happen.
0: Yeah, and listen again. This series two zero, Denver, you know, coming back to LA. Uh, I think you and I were at the in the last round, just looking around in the building, and just imagining, like, remember what that place was like? at zero and five, two and ten. Like nobody in the league was playing worse than them. Like they weren't just losing. They looked, they they looked terrible.
1: Throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what could stick. No, no offense to Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan uh, helped this team <laughs> he with did. a very important shot to force overtime against New Orleans, but Matt Ryan was getting more minutes than Austin Reeves early on in the season. A lot of stuff needed to be figured out. and uh, you know, Even credit to Darvin for finding a use of Russell Westbrook and Pat Beverly when he had them. It wasn't a perfect fit. We all know that with neither of those players, but he found a way to make them a competitive group um, prior to the trade deadline. And and that's not an easy thing
0: to do. How have you seen LeBron James lead this season? Has it looked any different than other years?
1: Well, certainly the part that felt different to me was when he was out with a foot injury for four weeks. And I've spoke to him about this. He kind of became a fan of the team. So he can – Suck the air out of a room. He has a presence about him. And when he's feeling great, it feels like the sun's shining upon you. And, and when he's not feeling so great, it's a little chilly in the room sometimes. But when he was out going through his rehab, he was motivated to get back because what he saw from guys like Austin Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo. Obviously, Anthony Davis recapturing what he had in year one in L.A., and I really believe, because I've spoken to Dennis Schroeder about this, spoken to Rees about this, the enthusiasm LeBron brought when he got back onto the court, that game against Chicago onwards late in the season, where, you know, I think you and I were both a little surprised he came back a little bit earlier. than we, thought. <laughs> we both thought he'd come back late in the season, but he came back a little bit earlier to gave, give the team a little even extra acclamation time. I think that enthusiasm and that push and that, he was pushing himself as a tangible proof to his teammates that I believe in what we can do here. I think that's, that's really mattered to their, their overall kind of vision for, yeah, we can go into the playoffs as a number seven seed and, and win a series. We can beat the defending champs. And I think, I know from some of the guys I spoke to in the locker room in Denver in game two, they don't think this thing is over either.
0: It is not over. It is, again, a difficult climb back. I think you used a stat. I didn't realize it was – you had a stat on – Six and
1: 56.
0: Six and 56. of so six and 56 teams who are down 0-2 in the conference finals.
1: But two of those teams LeBron played for. Right. <laughs> he's not the 2007 version of LeBron. Where none of us suggesting that. That came back against the Pistons the Cavs. Tristan Thompson literally said to me, after game two. Well, it's got to have to be like 2018 against the Celtics. And he's not the 2018 version of LeBron (laughs) either. I'll make that clear. But it's a very difficult task to do. But certainly LeBron, I can tell you this much, he will have the the mental approach necessary to pull it off. Whether the shots fall, whether he can keep pace with this Nuggets team that really is a true team in every sense of the word, it might not happen. But it won't be because he's going to let go of the rope in the middle of the series.
0: You still lose sight of what he's doing at 38 years old in this sport. Listen, Michael Jordan may be the greatest player ever, but no one's done it better longer than LeBron James. LeBron James has done it better longer than anybody else has. And that, to me, is undeniable.
1: I think he's redefined what a prime is. I think when I was coming into covering this sport, having been a fan for it, in my whole life, it was 27 to 32 is your prime, right? LeBron has been 22 to – I don't know if he's still in his prime, but he hasn't been too long out of it. Uh, he made it a 15-year prime. And some of that, and certainly Michael was on the forefront of that with working with Tim Grover and treating your body the right way all year round. But that is such a part of the LeBron James success map is – uh, yeah, I'm gonna go run a yacht in the summertime with Savannah, and we're gonna be on this uh, the coast of France. But that yacht's gonna have a full gym in it. And I'm gonna have a versaclimber, and I'm gonna have uh, have Mike Mancias come so we can go through my modalities, keep my body spry. Like, and a lot of guys, you've been doing this for 20 years, you cut corners.
0: It's hard to stay, it's hard to stay hungry. And he's the the night um, we were here that Bronny James committed to USC. Uh, a couple hours before the game and being in the building watching Bronny James, watch his dad. He's two years away from the NBA. If he wants to be two years away from the NBA. And when LeBron jumped over the first row of fans to save a ball and he was playing out of his mind and you're going, that's a grown-up kid in the stands (laughs) and who could be in the NBA as a one and done. And again, the following season and, uh, and he's watching his father still play at this incredibly high level. You just you have an appreciation for it.
1: And playing meaningful basketball, I, I'm as someone who's covered him at the height of heights. I'm happy for him as an individual that has dedicated his life to the sport. That he is getting to play meaningful basketball because I think that will allow him to max out his what we've seen from 2003 is he's trying to max out his potential in the sport if he kept going through seasons like last year, I don't think he would have. The, the winning, the being part of, of a group that makes sense to, with one another, it's giving him the ability to squeeze out that little record. Yeah.
0: We saw it with Kobe Bryant at the end. Those teams were bad and it made it easier to walk away because he didn't want to play anywhere else. And he'd come off the Achilles. That was yeah. different. He was never, he had the Achilles so late in his career, but he was on really bad teams and it, It changes your perspective. And LeBron, and you wondered what it was all going to look like last year, this year. And to their credit, they have revitalized this team and given them a path. There's a pathway now. You can see a pathway with this Laker team to being able to compete. I don't know that they're going to win a championship, but there's a pathway now because they have some growth opportunity with you know, the young guys we mentioned and if they can keep LeBron James and obviously Anthony Davis has shown at times he still can be the, this is the reason they traded three really good young players and a gazillion picks and pick swaps for him. And they've got one championship already to show for it. Um Dave, thank you for rolling downtown with me. Enjoy a Friday night here in LA. I know we'll all be, I know you'll be back downtown tomorrow for, for game three, man. Uh,
1: you got it anytime appreciate
0: it thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod a big thank you to my guest today ESPN's Dave McMiniman be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts be sure to also listen to the Low Post with Zach Lowe the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse and of course the Adam Schefter podcast with the great Adam Schefter we'll catch you next time